to the 23rd episode of the Attic Sessions and today we're actually celebrating a very special anniversary, namely the 20th birthday of one of Ireland's uh, preeminent literary journals, The Stinging Fly. And we're doing that in the company of its co-founder and editor, um, Declan Mead. Declan, you're very welcome to Hello the Attic. Vanessa, thank you. And I'll get to the bit about starting the magazine in a, in a minute. Um, but tell us a bit about your own background. You, I recall, were a fiction writer yourself. How did you start writing? Okay, well, I moved to Dublin in 1995 and I'd grown up in County Louth, studied in Northern Ireland in Coleraine and spent- Business, business you studied, studies, didn't you? European business studies, German. I was preparing for the single European market. Oh, very good. And but by the time the single European market arrived, I was just graduating and I didn't want to work in business. Um, so I went to America. I got a I got a Morrison visa and went to America for what turned out to be 10 months. And I worked in a bookstore in Atlanta, Georgia, and I had never lived in Dublin because of studying in the north. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just had this feeling that I wanted to try living in Dublin before I kind of settled in anymore in Atlanta, which I was, had been starting to do. Mm. Um, so I moved back to Dublin and I got a job in the, in the James Joy Centre. And it was a community employment scheme at the time. And were you writing fiction at that um, point? I was interested in writing fiction. So coming to Dublin, I started doing um, I joined a couple of writers groups and I would have gone along certainly around that time to probably the Dublin Writers Workshop. Oh yeah. Um, and joined a couple of groups, did a couple of courses in the Irish Writers Centre. Um, and I, yes, I was trying to write short stories. Um, that's what I was interested in doing. Mm -hmm. um, and it was really from that experience of meeting a lot of writers around this, that time um, who were all you know, in a similar situation to myself, like starting out writing um, and we'd get together and we'd talk about the situation and, and it was just a real strong feeling that there wasn't, there weren't that outlets. many outlets. Yeah, because um, that was that was the, the, the thing that was, you know, taken for granted that you had a better chance if you were writing a novel or writing a poem of getting yeah. it somewhere than a short story. So yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I met quite a few writers who were uh, frustrated by the situation and then I suppose a little while later, I mean, with, uh, I listened to this complaint maybe for two years or 18 months and then um, it, I had a friend, Aoife Kavanagh, who had just done the, and she worked with me for a while. I'd known her family before, her sister was a good friend of mine mm -hmm. and she had, um, Aoife had done the publishing masters in Galway, NUI Galway. And she worked with me in the Joy Centre for a while as well. And she was trying to get um, experience in publishing. Mm -hmm. And then, so between the jigs and the reels, uh, the two of us came upon the idea of just setting up a magazine uh, and giving it a go. 
And um, that was 1998, wasn't it? Uh, it was 1997, okay. late 1997, that we decided to do it yeah. and put out the submission call uh -huh. and got the submissions in. And then it was March, early March 1998 that we published the first issue. And do you remember what was in the first issue? Um, yes, I do. Uh, we've recently just put it up on the website, all of the content from the first issue. But I think it was um, five fairly short stories and 16 poems. Mm -hmm. And two of the stories were by writers that I knew myself from a writer's group, the right, one of the writers groups mm -hmm. that I was in. So it was Michael Wynn and uh, Bruce Carlin. Um, since deceased, but um, a good friend of ours. Mm -hmm. But he, um, so they had submitted stories among the stories that myself and Aoife read through and the poems. And I suppose one of the things that was, because I came out of it from the point of view of wanting to um, have an outlet for short stories, but we, from the, uh, in the beginning, certainly we got more story, more poems mm. than stories, mm. um, because poems seem to, poets seem to always have a poem at the ready. Oh, we do, <laughs> we do, and we're desperate for publication, so. So the, the po poems streamed in, but the stories came in in sufficient numbers as well, and uh, it was just a matter of choosing, and w I think myself and Eva had said that, you know, we won't do this unless the work is is there and justifies us doing it um and but the work was of a standard that we wanted to publish and we were excited mm. to publish the first issue though presumably from the get-go because the difficult thing once you put your head over the the, the parapet and become a chooser rather yeah. than a submitter there are the people who you can't choose so how did you deal with the the you know because not just poets, all writers can be disgruntled if they don't get selected. So so was that a kind of a challenge trying to? Um, I suppose it was a bit of a switch, but I hadn't really, I wasn't even at the stage where I was submitting all that much work myself. So, I mean, I hadn't gone through the, the rounds of rejections myself. Um, so you could be harsher <laughs> in turn. Possibly, yeah, yeah. Or, um, but also I just believed in, you know, that it was going to be about the work itself. Yeah. So, and, you know, I'd have to say that, you know, obviously you get disgruntled people and we, we still encounter them. Uh, but for the most part, people really understand that and appreciate mm -hmm. uh, what you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. And they like the idea of it. And then as long as they see when the finished product is there, yeah. that that there's a good there's a good mix of authors represented, yeah. and that there is, you know, that the quality is of a standard. Well, then they can, you know, they can judge it on that basis as well. You did establish that sense of it being a journal that you wanted to be published in quite quickly. It was sort of like you know, it was a sense of an achievement. If if um, a poem yeah, was well, I, think, I mean, there were a couple of things we wanted to do. I mean, one of them was that. Um, one of them that, that was that it would be an attractive publication from yeah. the start. Now, our ideas of what an attractive publication has developed over time, yeah. of course, and as has our kind of, a, I'm sure, my aesthetic and my my my, my sense of, of what makes a good story or not. But um, but yeah, we wanted we. we I was kind of also aware of. <sighs> people reading the magazine and that they would get something from it mm -hmm. and so that it wasn't going to be 
just a list of names who of people I knew um, that it was going to be that each individual p piece in in the magazine was something that people would want to read and would come away thinking that they'd want to read the magazine again mm -hmm. um, so that yeah that, that was very important so you were publishing and and increasing frequency of publication ov over the years and then something happened in 2004 because you say on your website that mm. you nearly decided to stop it all yeah so what what happened at that point um well what from the, in the beginning we started to do we aimed to do three issues a year now Aoife only did the first two issues with me and then she, she got sense and got a life and moved away but um so I carried it on and it, it was on the strength of the fact that, you know, the, the work was coming in. And I suppose going back, I also hadn't really considered what it was to be an editor. Yeah. And, you know, so all through those those early years when I'd been, you know, when I'd obviously shown th that I enjoyed writing and reading and um, that I was that I had some kind of talent for it, maybe that um, you know, teachers and um, people like that would have steered me towards being a writer. But nobody had ever said, um, you know, maybe you could be an editor. Mm. Uh, that just was a closed world for me, um, something I hadn't thought of or considered. Um, so it was a discovery on my part that that was something, I, you know, that, that this was something I wanted to do. And this was something that eventually took over from the writing for me. Um, so, I've forgotten now exactly what the it's nature of the question is. Baxter's barking <laughs> in the background, but he's always part of this this this, this process. I was I, wondering uh, if that would be edited out. Certainly not. <laughs> we, we count on him, his input. And do you think that you actually prefer editing to writing? Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. No, okay. I think that's where my, my actual talent lies. Okay. And yeah, I, I don't have some of the qualities necessary to be a writer. Which are? Uh, are we going to go there? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think I have the obsessiveness about, I mean, I have that about The Stinging Fly. I have yeah. that about pub editing and publishing in the way that I do. Is it an but, egoism? Um, no, I think it's, I'm not, I'm not terribly interested in what I have to say. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I, I've, that I don't write editorials very often, mm -hmm. even now. So um, yeah, so I'm I'm more interested in really in what other people have to say. And I, but I do love playing with language and playing with sentences and paragraphs. And to some extent, I get to do that um, in editing. Um, but I don't have the hard graft of getting the words out of me in the first place. Mm -hmm. I kind of have all these wonderful people give me their words and, and kind of having a relationship with them and with the text in which I get to, um, you know, offer my suggestions and, and read closely text and uh, give my opinions on it. And um, so was 2004 the year when yeah, you discovered sorry. that really? No, 2004. Oh, yeah, that's where that's where I was on this. Uh, so it was a case of building up the magazine over time and it was the three issues a year, but, all, you know, extending the number of pages and um, 
and then broadening out what we were doing. So let's say introducing author interviews and mm. reviews and mm. different aspects um, into the magazine. So, um, and the, but all this time I was working, I was doing the magazine part time and we were um, getting very small amounts of funding um, so that I, you know, I had to work at other jobs in order to live. Um, so I found this frustrating and, you know, I was only able to give so much of my time mm. to the magazine. I had ideas for it, but I wasn't, you know, I couldn't commit myself to it full time mm -hmm. um, while trying to um, put food on the table sure. and, and have a bed to sleep in. And, and so, many people work, so many people working in the arts, it's almost assumed that, you know, we don't eat at all, we don't need to, we just yeah, do what we like, do for the love of it. There's also an assumption that I was somehow come from money or something, <laughs> which was... Uh, the big house in County Loud. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which was far from the truth. <laughs> so, um, so there was that frustration and then, so I just took the opportunity. I'd, I'd, one of my part-time jobs at that point was working in the um, well, I continued to work part time in the James Joyce Centre and um, so I kind of took on projects for them. So I edited their Bloomsday magazine oh, for yeah. a few years and I also ran the first Davy Burns mm. competition, um, which was 2004. So that was all the Bloomsday centenary stuff. So to that June 2004, um, I finished the special edition of the Bloomsday magazine. I we we announced the winner of the short story competition, uh, Anne Enrage, um, and so it was all leading up to that. And I brought out the 18th issue of the magazine, right. which was um, and it was still A4 at that stage, and I think we got it up to 64 pages or something. And so I I, I had it in my mind that in June I was going to just take a break yeah. and. Um, all those things would be finished and I'd go traveling for a while and I'd try to figure out what would happen yeah. next. Yeah. So I did say that this could be the end of it yeah. um, to allow myself the f that freedom. Yeah. Um, and I went traveling and I went around Eastern Europe um, for, a for a few months, the summer months. And then I moved to Harold's Cross for a couple of months. And I'd, I actually got a bursary from the Arts Council that year as well. For your uh, own writing? For my own writing, yeah. And that's what killed the writing for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, money well spent. Killed the writing, but sort of possibly spawned the careers of some of the most important fiction writers <laughs> in the country because the next year. Yeah, so 2005, by Christmas of 2004, I decided that, yeah, that was the real test of, of whether, you know, obviously that was the point where I kind of, saw that sitting in a house all day trying to write wasn't uh, wasn't Quite. rocking my boat yeah. <laughs> or wasn't my idea of fun. So um, I started thinking about the magazine again and formulating a plan. And around Christmas 2004, I met Sean O'Reilly, who I'd interviewed for the magazine in 2003. And he had a manuscript that uh, of a book that became watermark yep. and um, so I said I'm thinking of setting up the magazine again but with a press and that 
would be great to read for mm -hmm. Mark and see if it would work if I'd like to put or see what I thought of it and then see if what he thought about me publishing it. Uh, so he gave it to me to read and I loved it. And mm -hmm. um, so that became our first book. But we and we, when we launched that, we also relaunched the magazine into its second volume mm -hmm. and um, with a new format. And yeah, so that's that's what got the press started. But I mean, the pre the idea for the press was uh, like it, it was a great start to have Sean's book to publish. But the idea really for the press was to concentrate on short stories mm. and with presumably submissions to the magazine yeah. as one of the ways that you might encounter the well, voices. Well, it became the main way, really, yeah. um, except for the first collection we started working on from around that time, actually, or certainly from 2005 onwards was I st I'd started work. I started to work with Kevin Barry on what would become their little kingdoms. Mm -hmm. And I'd met Kevin through the first Davy Burns Award when he was shortlisted for that. Um, and he said that he was working towards a collection. Mm -hmm. And um, so he started sending me stories. So the idea really with the press and short stories was that I could see that um, writers were coming through the magazine and um, or were the, and were out there mm. who um, just weren't getting any in the same way that there was the lack of outlets mm. in the mm. in the beginning with, with the magazine it was um, because collections of short stories were not being published in exactly. any great numbers were they, they weren't and um, yeah so that, that, that was just a gap that I could definitely yeah. see um, so people like, you mentioned Kevin Barry, Colin Barrish, Mary Costello, Danielle McLaughlin, Claire Louise B Bennett. Michael J. Farrell was also in there. Yeah. Um, and somebody mentioned to me when I was talking to people during the week about you coming in and, and they were saying, Declan has a really good nose for fiction. Uh, yeah, well, I don't know. I mean... What do you look for? I suppose, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm looking, I, I love reading short stories and then I, I, um, I'm looking for the, an, a reading experience that, w that feels fresh and new to me. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, that, that there's, that like fiction is, I think is really important because it, it tells us about our lives and, um, and so the best fiction kind of is is complicated and um, is not straightforward and is is interesting and you're learning something new that you, you didn't know before or you're thinking about something in a way that you haven't thought about it before and it, it's asking you questions and um, and there's just an excitement in reading something that's fresh mm -hmm. and and well and well told and um, so all the good things that we look for in literature should be alive and present on the page. Mm. Um, and it just so happens that my particular love is for the short story, which, you know, so, I mean, you can find all those good things in poetry and, and, and novels, but um, I particularly love the short story, so I go there mm -hmm. for it first and foremost. No, no. Quite recently, and, and possibly as a bid to get bums and seats, James Kelman was in the Irish Times 
uh, talking about um, his view that, that Irish writers go for the cushy jobs. They don't try and challenge the status quo. And, and there's separately been suggestions that contemporary Irish fiction is, is very middle class, yeah. uh, very history obsessed or dysfunctional family obsessed or whatever. Would you counter those or do you think that that's just part of the mix or, or what are your views on where we are in contemporary Irish fiction? Um, well, I think, I think, I mean, I, I don't know how to counter it exactly, but I, yeah, I, I'd agree that it, the best thing to say with it is it is all part of the mix. Um, I'm not, sh you know, I'm not, I'm not sure how valid an argument it is. Um, because there, you know, as I see it, there's a lot of, of 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 great new writers that have come through in the last, um, you know, ten years, and you know, I know that let's say, even five or six years ago or seven years ago, I might have been asked quite a lot about what's kind of happened with Irish fiction in that it seemed to have gone quiet for a while, um, and there was less buzz around it, and now. Um, in the last few years, it's gone the opposite way. Where the buzz is deafening, yeah, almost, isn't it? Yeah, and it's like there's almost hysteria around it. You know that you know so much great new writing, yeah. and um, and I think you know that's probably unfair to a lot of writers who've just been busily working away as well. So I mean, certainly there's you know so a lot of great writers have come through in the last five, six, seven years, but. Um, but then there's a lot of hype around that too. Mm. So it's kind of, you know. Not getting lost between the hype on one side and just the desire to continue to sort of publish the sort of stuff that you have always enjoyed reading. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't interest me all that much. <laughs> Um, what is said. I mean, I think I think writers at different times say things just to be provocative. Yeah. Yes, um, or they say something out of a sense of their own frustration, or or they need to believe a certain thing in order to keep themselves going. So it's a way of spurring themselves on yeah. to ha to say outlandish things that mm. um, that they can't necessarily back up with, uh, you know texts or mm. facts. <laughs> now, um, you know, we've been talking about buzz and, and certainly as as we're speaking this morning, there's been news that your editor, mm -hmm. Sally Rooney, current editor of the Signify, yes. has just been nominated, I think, for three different know, prizes for, for her wonderful uh, conversations. conversations with friends. Yeah. Um, and I wondered about how you how good are you about stepping ba back when you have an editor in place yeah. who has her own aesthetic, her own, um, I suppose, desire to shape it in a certain way, are there creative arguments or are you very much sort of, I'm back in the background now and I'm looking after the books and you do yeah, what you no, want to do with the journal? Oh no, I'm, I'm uh, definitely more hands off, but just by virtue of the fact that I have plenty of other things to be doing. So. Um, yeah, it's um, we had a meeting last week where it was Sally was asking should she print off the stories that she was you know close to accepting from uh, the submission round, 
and I was saying, no, there's no need, I don't need to read those. Uh, you know, hopefully I'll read them when they get into print. But, you know, or I said, you know, if there's any you want me to have a look at, I'll, I'll do so. But, um, you know, I, I've just, you know, there's plenty for me to do. Aside from the books, there's also the whole keeping the show on the road, um, which takes up a lot of time. Because and there are a few related things now, yeah. like that, that there's a, a regular, uh, quite extensive creative writing course attached to the yeah. Stinging Fly, isn't yeah. there? Yeah, so uh, we, yeah, we have a six month fiction workshop, which is led by Sean O'Reilly. Yeah. And then we've been doing summer workshops for the week long workshops for the last summer or for the last couple of summers. And um, we're planning to do three summer workshops this year mm -hmm. all together in the one week at the Irish Writers Centre so okay so the kind of the development role the, yeah the, the yeah development has become more of a thing for us um in the last five or six years I'd say I mean we've done it informally uh, mentoring and um and the workshops but yeah it's become much more it's 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 a core part of what mm. we do now as well so putting yourself back into the Declan of 1996-97 who was sort of making the plans yeah. to set up the magazine and wow. rattle the establishment a bit. How do you respond to suggestions that, well, you are now very much part of the establishment and that, um, how do you keep that sense of, or is it important to keep the sense of the outsider who began this mm. um, when you're making your various plans? and? Um, well, I think it's important that I remain, in a way I see the magazine as having a personality of its own, so I've, even when it's just been me working on it, I've, I've, you know, people have said, oh, are you using the royal we now, or it's like, but no, it's like me and the magazine, and it's like, you know, we, we both, <laughs> we both tend to agree, but, um, but I'd like not to disagree with it either. So, you know, so I think the core thing about the magazine is that it's there for new writers and new writing. And but also, I mean, it's part of it has been, you know, sustaining my interest in it over the over the 20 years has been um, and part of that has been trying to find new ways to to do or new things to do that we can we can do that will serve writers better and um, so I think I had a I was a, on a panel in Maynooth fairly recently where it was myself and uh, two other literary magazine editors and I realized at that and I suppose it confirmed it perhaps for me that you know that, that because I came at it from somebody who was writing I mean I think the magazine and the ethos of the magazine is is very much focused on the writer, mm -hmm. even though I do very much want to va I do value the reader and and want the reader to kind of buy into the magazine and they have to buy into the magazine for it to to work. Mm -hmm. um, everything we've done is, has been kind of t um, geared towards the writer. So it is an outlet for writers uh, first and foremost. So that's what we're about you mm -hmm. know people can send us their work and we will read it and um and we will publish it to the best of our ability um and then we 
the books are there for the, the short story writers who are at that point where the bigger publishers won't take them on, but mm. we're there to get them through and hope, you know, it, like I'm often asked as well about um, the writers that we have published in, in their books and then they move on to uh, other publishers and that, you know, and that, that's, that's kind of a, a bone of contention among publishers. Um, we do all the groundwork and then they go on sure. and somebody else takes advantage of our groundwork. Yeah, or, yeah, <laughs> essentially. But, like, I do see it as kind of a key part of what we are about. I mean, is is that it's our job then to find the next Kevin mm. Barry, Colin Barrett or Mary Costello mm -hmm. or Danielle McLaughlin, which, mm -hmm. you know, so that's our job. Um, and um, so, and then the workshops, again, are kind of, trying you know it's in a, in a way a response to submissions and where they fall down and um and also workshops generally where they might fall down and where we could perhaps supply something that's missing mm -hmm. which is the kind of more very intense um focus on on the students texts mm -hmm. um on the writers texts mm. so that um they can improve the craft mm. Um, we had June Caldwell here last summer talking right. about the huge difference that doing that workshop, the Stinging Fly workshop, yeah. made to her. Sure. You know, and I think we'd find any number of people yeah. saying exactly the same thing. Yeah, in no, terms it's, of like I mean, they're, they're set up to be quite intense, intensive, intense experiences. Um, and But I think people do get a, a lot of value out of them. Mm. And But then similarly in, in our... Um, in this publishing process, even for the magazine, is you know like that there that there is close editing in, involved mm -hmm. uh, on the work um, to get it to the point where you know that that I'm happy with it and that the author is happy with it mm -hmm. and um, you know and we've had a bit of fun just recently now trying to, we're working on it. It'll be out next month, uh, an anthology of this stories. This is the 20th birthday. Yeah. So so tell us a bit about this. What well, this is Stinging Fly Stories, Nessa. And it's um, myself and um, I asked Sarah Gilmartin, who reviews uh, new fiction for the Irish Times, to work on the anthology with me. But it's the idea is just that we went back and looked at all the stories we've published in, in the magazine since day one and came up with uh, a selection of those and we've ended up with 40 stories right. um, and that's coming out next month but yeah so that you know so we, we went back to authors and were asking them do you remember this story <laughs> and some of them did with horror <laughs> and uh, do you mind us publishing it again and you know yeah. we did give the opportunity for people to um, to change the stories if they wanted to and I had another run of them as well, and then, but then some of the writers were, um, you know, just either too busy or uh, too well, embarrassed to even open the document again. Well, so. I suppose, but you know, it's part of your past. So yeah. even if you have moved on in directions, it's still part yeah. of what sort of formed you as a writer. I Absolutely, and you know, like we, in choosing the story at the beginning, in the beginning, I would have thought that. Um, you know, I want, I would want everything that we publish to, mm. you know, to stand the test of time pretty much. I mean, I don't, but I don't see 
magazines as being disposable in that way, and mm. you know, some some people do. Um, so you know, I, I I would I would hope that the content we publish is is there to will stand the test of time. Mm. Um, you know, and I had another run at the stories as well, and um, that was interesting as well. I mean, because it probably says about how my do you think My your taste approach. has changed? I'm sure it has because I'm older now, you know, yeah. so I mean, it has to. Just a little bit. Just a little. I mean, I'm obviously not 20 years older because no, I not. have got a secret. Yes, and we're in the attic, so the portrait <laughs> must be somewhere. Um, yes. Do you have an appetite for another 20 years, would you say? Can you see it going for? I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, I do have an appetite for another few years anyway, so. We'll see how that goes, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 interesting because um, you know handing the reins over to Sally, and she is exactly the same age now as, you as were. I was doing my first issue. So, wow. okay. um, so you know, and I think she also has got the secret about the eternal yeah. youth thing as well. So, like you know, she she might get another 20 years before she uh, hits 30. <laughs> I'm realising that the person we haven't actually mentioned yet, who's also been in a key part of the team, is Ivani Hulloin over in, of course, in Wales. Yes, yeah. The poetry, poetry editor. Yeah. editor. And she's still... She's um, been with us, I think, since 2001. Yeah, making those wonderful choices. Is it 2000? Yeah, I yeah. think 2001, which, yeah, that's... Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we would have published some of her poetry before that. But, yeah, she's, she has been reading... A lot of poems. Yeah, I mean, like, because we take online submissions, or we switch to online submissions finally in the last year, and that just has seen a huge increase in the number. And also the kind of spread, because once it goes through submittable, um, you know, everyone, um, everyone, everyone just sees it and it just comes yeah. up. Um, yeah. So not all, people aren't always familiar with the magazine, so, um, so I'm kind of hoping that that might settle down a bit, because we had... 700 stories uh -huh. come in uh, that Sally read every oh one of those. Oh my goodness. Um, oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. So that probably means 350,000 poems then are the usual ra ratio of... Well, fully, no, because this, it has actually switched around now. So because we've concentrated so much oh, on the okay. short story and got ourselves yeah. a reputation for it, that yeah. we are actually getting more... Well. We get more people submitting stories than we get. Yeah. So we we do take, let's say, four poems as, as opposed to one yeah. story. So we end up um, with, I mean, Ivan will end up with maybe oh, well over a thousand, twelve hundred poems maybe to read Crikey, that's for an issue. That's, um, a, that's a, that a lot. An awful lot. A lot to read. Yes. Well, listen, it's been a pleasure. Absolute okay. pleasure having you. It's it's the stinging fly is is uh, something that we always get excited about seeing uh, coming through the letterbox. So I will check my subscribe subscription status. I hope it is up to date. Uh, but well done on twenty years. Well done Thank on you. all that extraordinary work that you've been doing to make that happen. Um, and you. long may you last. Thank you, Nessa. Thanks, Declan. And that's it. Um, thank you very much for watching. Um, we'll be coming back next month with a, another episode and hopefully you can join us then. Nessa, it's
ringing cry and to say congratulations to Declan. It's, it's always been such an innovative, brave journal and that combination of prose and poetry and also always the editorial is something interesting to say, something different to say, something daring to say. Um, and I suppose just, I remember when I had two poems in the Stinging Fly, the absolute thrill of that. I think it was six years ago now. And uh, both poems are, are in the river. And uh, it's, it's, the, it's that kind of coming of age feeling when you get your poems accepted in the Stinging Fly. So thank you, Declan. Declan, Declan, 20 years, it's scarcely believable. Many congratulations. It's been an extraordinary achievement and it's gone from strength to strength over the years. Here's to the next 20. So happy 20th birthday, um, Declan. Okay, so we're with Ruth from Books Upstairs, who's here at the Mountains to Sea Festival. Ruth, what's your experience of the stinging fly? Yeah, oh, it's wonderful. I, I, I buy it and read it as, as well as I can. And uh, congratulations, um, Declan. Uh, many more years of uh, you have a great nose and uh, um, ha happy birthday. Hi, Declan. This is a bit like the Oscars. <laughs> I just want to say uh, congratulations on 20 years of stinging could fly. I think it's a fantastic achievement, and I think you have like unique ability over the last 20 years of identifying talent, nurturing talent and giving it a showcase as well and being hugely successful in all of those ventures with no fuss and no fanfare. So I just want to say well done, you're the gentle giant of Irish literature and you know it really I would even go as far as to say a genius in that regard and I don't use that word lightly so congratulations and here's to the next 20 years. Yes, I know. That I'm just a dreamer, I dream Cause it's the closest I'll ever get to you